Hey guys, it's me, Deej, from the Nerd Nerdtocalypse Podcast, and I'm just here to hit you with some information before the feature presentation. So here it goes. You can find news, updates, and previous episodes at nerdtocalypsepodcast.com. We'd also like to invite you to check us out on social media, facebook.com slash nerdtocalypse, or connect with us on Twitter using hashtag nerdtocalypse or at nerdtocalypse. If you'd like to contribute further, we encourage you to indulge in one of our many perks and become a patron at patreon.com slash nerdtocalypse. Nerdtocalypse Podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. Now go, enjoy the new episode. I hear it's a good one. This podcast is brought to you by Mind of a Geek. Join Nate and Brandon as they introduce their Geek of the Week. Guests include fellow podcasters, authors, cosplayers, and more. Mind of a Geek, Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Live at twitch.tv slash inkgeekstudios or wherever quality podcasts are found. This podcast is brought to you by Sonics and Sabres. Explore time and space and a galaxy far, far away with Nate and Brandon. They'll discuss all the news from the realms of Doctor Who and Star Wars as well as any other thing that may come up. Sonics and Sabres, Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Live at twitch.tv slash inkgeekstudios or wherever quality podcasts are found. Welcome, Welcome to the, the Nerd, nerd lab. lab. Get those nerds! 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 Let the nerds take, take over! Nerd alert! Were you some kind of nerd? Not some kind of nerd. I am the king of nerds. Nerd! Nerd stuff probably really excites you because you're a nerd. This is the Nerd Talkalypse Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything nerd. We provide the latest and greatest from trending pop culture and fandoms alike. So take a break from killing zombies with your lightsaber, hang up your cape and cowl, and hop onto the Hogwarts Express and ride your way over to Geek Down to fight our gym leaders and hosts of the show, Lane Stipe and Deej Penhollow. Hello, nerd enthusiasts, and thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Nerd Talk Lips Podcast. My name is Lane. And I'm Deej. And as always, we're geeking out weekly with our listeners about our favorite nerd topics. From Marvel and DC Comics, TV and film, Star Wars, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and beyond, Pokemon, the Walking Dead universe, Dragon Ball Z, GT Super, and the films alike and most things in between. That's right, guys, and here on our show, we express pride in pop culture nerdism and work hard to bring you trending content from all the fandoms you love. Please reach out to us via email, nerdtocalypse at gmail.com, Twitter at nerdtocalypse, or simply write up a review on iTunes or facebook.com slash nerdtocalypse. We'd love some listener feedback. What's up, nerd enthusiasts? Thanks for joining us for episode 47 of Nerd Talklips. 47. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, Walking The Walking Dead. Dead. And uh, the only DC shows this week were 
uh, fucking Supergirl and Arrow. Right. <coughs> and, of course, we're going to do nerd news. We always have nerd news. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get into that right now. It's time for the latest in nerd news with Nerd Talkalypse. First off, we got some shout outs. Um, we're going to shout shout out to Geek Tavern Productions on YouTube slash Geek Tavern Radio Podcast. Um, those are our friends, Bud Plazinski, Dustin Shalala, Josh Donaldson, Cody Chellingsworth. Um, they have a brand new YouTube channel for gaming and upcoming podcast. Um, it, uh, both it will both of them are geek gamer related um, podcasts. I, I'm being told is going to start off being about Magic the Gathering and then moving forward as they continue putting out episodes it's going to go into some movie talk geeky talk things yeah. like that so um they're just now getting started we you know i talked to them earlier this week about it um it's good stuff coming from them so go follow them on twitter they only have three followers right now um subscribe to them on youtube get them out there um i've been we've been friends with, i've been friends with bud for years dustin for years josh for years uh cody i don't know so much but um good guys over there go give them a go give them a like Tell them we sent you. Yeah. We right. sent you. So, uh... All right. We don't have anything to talk about in Walking Dead news, apparently. Uh, just the fact that episode two of the mid-season... Uh, what they, episode nine, actually? or what Episode nine, yeah. Episode nine. Um, we'll talk about... Well, it was good. We'll talk about that here, though. Um, but then we got some DC stuff. Ben Affleck is not leaving the DC Cinematic Universe. I know that... It's been all over the place about getting new directors, and then he said that he's going to drop down from director to be just Batman to focus on that. But then, like the next day, I saw someone was like, "Ben Affleck's leaving Batman." I'm like, "Why would he? Why would he say all that about trying to focus his whole on to Batman and just to lo- stop doing it in the next day?" But People are just full of absolute shit. Yeah, they so love I, taking I, stories and fucking running with them. So I don't think that that's true. I think it's bullshit. Like there was even votes on Facebook, like, "Oh, since Ben Affleck's leaving, who should be the next Batman?" Right, and <laughs> and this is this is all in conjunction with the fact that well, before Matt Reeves dropped out, yeah, who the la- we said last time he was going to be the director taking over, but now since since our last podcast he's dropped out. Yeah, so the 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 talks were like that he you know he might, the, and this goes the same with with any new director coming in. The, the new director might very well walk through them doors, look at the script, and either say, "Hell yeah, let's roll with this." I got two ideas for two more movies. I want to do a trilogy. Or he might say, page one rewrite, you know, let's start over again right. and go from there. And he also might say, if, you know, if if Ben Affleck does decide to leave, you know what I mean? Maybe he doesn't want to do whatever, but he's obviously got some sort of contract to do something. He he's can't not just not finish to, Justice man. League. Like, yeah, he, he's already and, in the trailers and shit. Right. So he, he'll probably do the Batman and, he, you know what I mean? But if he ever does back out, let's say, hypothetically... um, and the the new director wants to do a trilogy, you know, they they're gonna have to recast it, yeah. And they're gonna have to recast it now. So like, I mean, it. But I'm not worried about Affleck leaving. No, I'm not I'm, at all. I'm not worried about it either. because I have I have all the faith in the world that Justice League is gonna come out this year and it's gonna be awesome and everybody's gonna be like, oh fucking finally, and then people are gonna calm their shit down and Affleck's gonna be all about it again, right? Whether he's down on it or not. But this the. So Ben Affleck not leaving the DC Cinematic Universe. There's like an entire article here. 
It comes exclusively from monkeys fighting robots. Um, I don't know what that is. It's some news outlet or whatever. All right, I'm going to read that one. Earlier this week, John Campia of Collider stated three different sources have told him that Ben Affleck wants out of the DC Cinematic Universe. Ben Affleck, make no mistake, he does not want out. He doesn't want to be Batman anymore. He does want out. He does want out. He does want... Oh, yeah, he does want out. He doesn't want to be Batman anymore. I've been told Ben Affleck... Ben Affleck is talking with Warner Brothers in an attempt to get out of being Batman. And if they do not let him out of being Batman, the standalone Batman film that ultimately happens will be the last time we see Ben Affleck as Batman, said Campia. The DC Cinematic Universe is definitely not a well-oiled machine like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it is complete nonsense to think Affleck is stepping down as the Caped Crusader, and here's why. So the first the first reason here is Affleck, Affleck's Batman was the best part of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Right. Is he upset that BVS was, was uh, panned by critics? Yes. But he read every review? Because... Which means he knows that fans and critics think he's the best on-screen Batman to date. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, the only thing I could see that make him think maybe that he would want to drop out is because all he ever gets asked about anymore is Batman. Remember, I know he was complaining about that. Oh, absolutely. In a different movie. And they're like, "What about Batman?" He's like, "I'm not here to fucking talk about Batman." <laughs> but then the uh, second point is Warner. In Warner Brothers' eyes, the DCEU is too big to fail. The company will so- smooth out the issues with Affleck. So even if he's having problems with Warner Brothers, they're gonna fix. They're gonna find a way to fix it. Like it's not like he's not gonna be paid enough money or whatever. Like, right. Yeah, they'll figure out anything. So uh, third reason here: Live by Night was Affleck's first directorial flop, but Warner Brothers is his home, and it's a lot easier to ask for a budget for an indie film when you're bringing or when you're bringing in Bruce Wayne dollars. So even the most hated Batman film, Batman and Robin. Bought in, brought in one hundred million dollars over budget. I I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Lane is adding things to my notes. <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> we all knew it, man. Yeah. You and Mac can be gay together. Me and Mac. <clears throat> don't want to bash a reporter. Uh, uh, issue number four. I mean, uh, or point four. Uh, don't want don't want to bash a reporter. The blame falls on the other outlets using Campia's story as fact, and this reeks. This reeks of just trying to sell newspapers. Creative people and suits argue it probably wasn't easy for Affleck to step down as the director of the Batman, and no doubt things were said. This sounds like hearsay more than fact. Notice how Collider does not have a story about this. More facts are needed. Right. So people... It's just fucking... Dude, clickbait, clickbait is the most fucking bullshit thing that has ever happened to the internet. Yeah. I absolutely fucking hate it. There are countless petitions and pages out there that, you know, are, are all hashtag stop clickbait because it's fucking stupid. Like, yeah. um, so the fifth point here is if if Justice League is a success, all wounds will heal Affleck and the rest of the cast of the film will be in a better mood and everybody will be talking about sequels. Yes. So uh, point next point. If he does leave, it will be when his contract expires after Justice League Part Two. So he is not bailing on this contract. Warner Brothers failed to resign a free agent, and that is on them. Right. Resign a free agent. Sorry. So and this 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 next thing is obviously a lie now. But uh, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is a solid film, and Matt Reeves' directorial style fits the Batman film. So obviously that is null and void. Right. Yeah, because Matt it doesn't even have to read the rest of that because Matt. Matt Reeves is not even part of it. Right. So um, there is enough evidence to suggest that Affleck will be the Batman in the foreseeable future. So 
All right, now next on DC News, we got Jason Momoa says Aquaman will be unlike anything you have ever seen. Speaking with Digital Trends, the actor spoke about Aquaman, which is currently in pre-production abroad. When asked about the film, Momoa was quick to gush about his script, its script and the adventurous tone. I read this script, and let me just put it this way. I've never seen a movie that's anything like this. It's going to be a world that you've never seen before, which is really cool, Momoa said. Which, yeah, I mean, like, in the bottom of the ocean, not too many films are filmed at the floor of the ocean. Right, yeah, this, this movie's going to be fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, we're going to see aspects of superhero-ness that we haven't seen in live action. Right. Um... Go ahead. So he continued saying, we uh, we went to space, we traveled all over different worlds, but we never went underwater. So it's just a really cool spin on what's below, and it uses a lot of great movies that I already love. Uh, whether that be Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Star Wars, or Lord of the Rings, to Romancing the Stone, it has a, a lot of really cool adventure. It's funny and heroic, and there's a lot of different characters and a lot of different worlds that we get to. Um he continues saying, so I've never really seen anything like it. I think it would be an absolutely amazing game, and that uh, it would be the greatest character in the world. Hmm. Well, hey, of course, that's his character. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, what's he really going to say? Like, he's not going to go in there and be like, yeah, I've seen movies well, just he, like this. He has he has, he has, has a, a job to do, and that is to make people respect Aquaman more, and he knows it. Right. No, so I was I was listening to a podcast the other day about a... It was called Views from the Long Box, and it's interesting. It's very, very comic booky. Mm. But they were doing uh, Marvel and DC crossover talk. Like yeah. back in the day, they did a big crossover event yeah. with. Uh, it was before the uh, Amalgam comics, the ones with like Doctor Strange, Fate, and the Dark Claw, oh. and Iron Lantern, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right before that, and it was uh, Bat Claw or whatever it was. Yeah, and it was uh, oh, yeah. just plain old DC versus Marvel. Marvel, and there was the funny thing: Aquaman fights Namor. Yeah. And, like, I guess he just, he, he wins by just dropping a whale on him. Aquaman does? Yeah, like, just right in the middle of a battle, he just summons a whale, and it falls right on Namor. Interesting. <laughs> and he just d- 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 smushed. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Namor stands a chance against Aquaman. No, no, fuck no. Um, Mel Gibson confirms he is in talks with WB to direct Suicide Squad 2. Which uh, I don't even know what to really say about that. I don't either. <laughs> Mel it's, Gibson. It's hard to to say anything good about Mel Gibson. Yeah, he's a douchebag. I don't know him personally. Yeah, but uh, he also talked a fuckload of shit on Batman v Superman. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, true. A lot so of people did. Yeah. So did Doug Benson. Yeah. I don't know. Man. There, people, there were some issues with. You this. know that Aquaman's mother's name is also Martha. Really? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> No, no, that's his wife, Mira. Yeah, Martha. His mother's name is Martha also. So, like, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and the next one, they're like, is your mom's name Martha? <laughs> like, why did you say that name? Like, and the whole fucking battle is over. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Darkseid's mom's name's going to be Martha, and they're <laughs> going to be friends. <laughs> uh, so, rumored Black Lightning uh, TV plot, or TV show that's coming in the CW, the plot details have leaked. Um. It's pretty interesting. So posted on an entertainment-based website slash report earlier today, earlier, well, whenever this was, a couple days ago, the site uh, says the show will revolve around Jefferson Pierce, a 40-year-old high school principal who hasn't used his superpowers in over a decade. That fact changes when he needs to save his two daughters that have been kidnapped by the 100 Street Gang, a group that is currently at war with the LAPD. 
Pierce puts on the black lightning mantle once more in his fight against the 100. Um, according to Slash Report, the series is set to tackle many of the problems we see every day on the news, including corruption and racism. It was created by Tony Isabella and artist Trevor jo- Trevor Von Eden. Uh, Jefferson Pierce, more commonly known as his superhero persona, Black Lightning, first appeared in Black Lightning Number 1 in 1977, becoming one of the first African-American superheroes to receive his own comic book. Yeah, that's right. That was his very... He didn't show up in anything else first. He, it was his own issue. Right. First. That doesn't happen a lot. No. <clears throat> you know, like, even, like, the Punisher came in on a Spider-Man issue first. Right. Or whatever, and then he... You know, and then he became so big, but it's cool that... Just interesting that they had such hope for Black Lightning. Right. See, I know... And he's I nothing know. close to that being as big as, like, Punisher and shit like that. Right, yeah. I'm, I almost know nothing about Black Lightning. I'm pretty excited about I know about a little about... I heard... One of the graphic audios we listened to, uh, he was part of it. It was interesting. But uh, the Black Lightning pilot episode will be produced by Mara Brock Akil, Sarah Schechter, and Salim Akil. Salim Akil is also set to rewrite the episode. And should the pilot receive a series order, it would join Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow as Greg Berlanti's fifth Arrowverse show on the CW. It should also be noted that Berlanti is tabbed as the producer on Riverdale, meaning he could potentially have six comic book-based shows on one network. You know what Riverdale is? School. Archie. Yeah, okay. Um, So uh, there has been a little bit, a couple of uh, character bios released for each one of these uh, characters that will be appearing in the show. Um, And Jefferson Pierce is a male African-American, late 30s to 50. Um, He's handsome, fit, with an athletic build. He's a former three-time gold medal decathlon winner who is now principal of high school in South Central Los Los Angeles. A father figure to his student and hero to the local community. Jefferson is charming, charismatic, smart, and has both warmth and humor. He's devoted to his two daughters and remains deeply in love with his ex-wife, Lynn. He also has a great passion for justice and a quick temper that he has spent years learning how to control. Um, So they're saying, think Idris Elba as the lead. That would be crazy. Um, we got Jennifer. Uh, she's a female African American, legal eighteen to play sixteen. Jefferson's younger daughter, Jennifer, is a scholar athlete, beautiful with a lean, athletic runner's build. She is entitled. She is the entitled feminist of the Pierce family, independent and outspoken with a wild streak. Series regular. Asp. What does that mean? I don't know. So Anissa, female African American, to play twenty-two. Jefferson's elder daughter, beautiful, quick-witted, and intelligent, intense, and passionate. Anissa has a great respect for her father. Anissa balances the demands of a medical school with her duties as a part-time teacher at Jefferson's school, also a series regular. And the last one here is Lynn. Female African-American, mid-30s to 50s, exudes confidence and intelligence, beautiful but not to be trifled with can exhibit both great emotional depth as well as flirtatious, mischievous side. So also a series regular. I believe we're getting some uh, Black uh, Lightning things here. There's a couple. I'm going to read a little bit. The Bronze Age, like I guess would be the original. That's what that means, right? Yeah. No, Silver Age. The Golden Age, whatever. Well, the Bronze Age, uh, Jefferson Pierce is a graduate from Garfield High School in Metropolis who goes to be an Olympic decathlon star and later a teacher at the school. He graduates from Kent State University with a teaching degree in physics. As a teacher, he works for New Carthage and later at the same Garfield High that he graduated from. 
Jefferson wastes no time in getting into trouble with a gang of drug pushers who are connected with the 100 organization. Mm, yeah, nothing too... Distraught over the death of Earl, Jefferson runs to a man named Peter Gamby. Gamby owned a tailor shop that Jefferson and his mother lived above while he was growing up and became very close to as a child. Peter made a costume for Jefferson for when he came back, as if he knew he would want it. When Jefferson returns, he presents it to him with the addition of a mask and an Afro wig. Jefferson's identity becomes secure, but it's all blah, blah. Um, this one is just pretty much like about, about the same. He grows up in, a, in the ghetto. Becomes an Olymp Olympic gold medalist. Um, it says, uh, we already read that. Character development. You know, he was part of the Justice League at some point. You know, he. I'll say his powers. Black Lightning's powers. He has enhanced conditioning. Though years removed from his Olympic career, B Black Lightning obviously kept keeps in shape. He's still 200 pounds of solid muscle and a world class decathlete. Uh, giving him an above-average strength, speed, and stamina. He possesses amazing amazing physical prowess. He's also a superior acrobat and sneaky type. He has enhanced stamina, enhanced endurance, enhanced strength. Now, I don't think he's, like, super strong. He just, like... Well, Black Lightning, Black Lightning being the top physical shape allows him to be stronger than normal humans. He can increase his overall strength by s stimulating his muscles with electricity. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Black Lightning can further enhance his strength by erecting a force field around his body. He often uses his force field to intimidate attackers as to show them he can ignore their attacks. While his force field is active, he can perform movement actions that are tri uh, trivial for him, such as swinging from a rope. If he t intends to use the movement to attack opponents, he'll keep his force field on during the phases he's swinging from said rope. At the beginning of the next phase, cut his force field off. He uses his superior initiative to attack before his opposition can react. Interesting. Uh, he has lightning fast reflexes and agility. Superhuman speed. Black lightning can move at the speed of light. What? Black lightning is capable of stopping a full speed a full speed car without any strain, then splitting it in half with a single bolt of lightning. That's crazy. Flight. Black lightning can fly by charging his lower body with electric energy. He's capable of flying at the speed of light. Enhance enhanced senses. Black lightning senses have been honed to their peak. Electrokinesis. Uh Black Lightning can generate control and manipulate electricity. Exactly how much electrical energy Black Lightning can generate is unknown, but he can easily stun and or kill a man with his internal organs. Interesting. As time passes, Black Lightning's powers have become more and more powerful. Bioelectricity manipulation, electricity absorption, electricity projection, electrical healing, electrical telekinesis, electrical detection, electrical field manipulation, force fields, electrical transportation... Black Lightning can transport himself by electric electricity, lightning, or electronics. He can also transport by the elect electrons in the air, static discharges, and electrical components. Black Lightning can also make a lightning strike his body to transport his own molecules from one point to another. Hmm. Damn. Can teleport with lightning. Yeah, electrical form, anger empowerment, black lightning manipulation, electromagnetism manipulation, energy aura, ionization. He has so much. He has like a, his abilities, like his stealth. And then he has boxing. He's an expert acrobat, an expert teacher, genius level intellect, master martial artist, world class Olympic level decathlete. Like uh, his his electric power belt. Black Lightning had to access his powers through a belt. He has since internalized these powers. So yeah, like I, oh, I read it earlier, he, like he had a belt that originally gave him the powers, but something about his metagene and using this belt, he naturally grew. To wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Wow, that that it could be a really interesting show. Yeah, if he's that badass, like. 
can go at the speed of that's what he looks like. Okay. From like the original uh Justice League, the Super Friends show. Oh, okay. With the skull in the swamp with the uh Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Came out of the, it was like a, and that, that was him. Oh, that's funny. Black <laughs> What's his name? Black Vukin or something back in Interesting. All right. Well, All right. Well, oh, yeah, he was part of Crisis on Two Earths. That's the one. Black Lightning made a small appearance in the movie as one of the Justice League Reserve members called in by Batman to battle Superwoman and her cohorts. Oh, he was in that movie we watched. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Damn. His, I think his daughter is a superhero later, too. She's known as Thunder. Yes. Mm, wow. That's a lot of shit, man. That guy is stacked. <laughs> you ain't fucking kidding, man. That's crazy. I can't wait to see. Let's hope, yeah, let's hope the show does them some justice. Yeah. All right. Um, you read all the characters? Yeah, yeah, we're good to all go. Right. We're we have good. nothing to do with Marvel news. We're going to hop right into Star Wars Universe news. So this little piece of news is pretty weird, pretty interesting. But the, So the, there's a series of books that have come out that are completely 100% canon to the story. It's called Star Wars Aftermath. Um, this one in particular is called Empire's End. The novel reveals what happened to Jar Jar Binks. So the series of Aftermath books take place between the end of Return of the Jedi and the beginning of The Force Awakens, explaining many of the changes in the timeline that occur within, when the latest film begin, begins. In the book, a refugee character named Mapo or Mapo is on the streets of Naboo. When he witnesses the Gungan performing as a street clown, entertaining the onlooking children while the adults pass by, he introduces himself to Mappo and tells him that the people don't like him because he helped the Empire take control. So poor Jar Jar has since fallen on hard times and has to become a had to become a literal clown to make ends meet. What the fuck do you think of that? It's, I don't know, man. It's bizarre as shit. At least he's not. At least he's not a Sith, like people. Like I remember, Jar Jar is a Sith. Like, I just, ugh, it's so weird, man. I don't know. What a weird thing to just all of a sudden include. It's like Jar Jar is gonna be a clown. <laughs> well, whatever. All right, next thing. Uh, with just a couple of months to go now, until our highly anticipated four teaser trailer for director Ryan Johnson's Star Wars: The Last Jedi, more and more news about the film is slowly starting to trickle out. Just this past week, we got our first official look at Ray, Finn, and Poe from the upcoming film via a Force Friday announcement. So now it appears we may have finally discovered one of the biggest mysteries of the upcoming sequel. Coming to us via a report from Screen Rant and popular YouTuber Mike Zero, it appears the identity of Benicio Del Toro's character is the son of legendary cult favorite Star Wars villain Boba Fett. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to me. So YouTuber Mike Zero may have found the answer in a video. He points out that Del Toro was listed on a wikiwan.com as Vikram Fett. This was later changed to saying his role was TBA, but it's already sparked the possibility that Puerto Rican actor is playing the son of iconic original trilogy villain Boba Fett. So hmm. that is ridiculous. The grandson of Jango Fett. It's pretty nuts, dude. I don't. the The Last Jedi is going to be absolutely ridiculous. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. 
All right. In other news, um, Lion King live action cast so far. We got James Earl Jones as Mufasa, which is dope. And apparently Donald Glover is Simba. And I am excited and not excited at the same time. Timon and Pumbaa in the morning. <laughs> like, I look, I love Donald Glover. He is beautiful as a person and an actor, and he's funny. He's great. Can't wait to see him in the in the Han Solo movie. Oh, yeah. But I have a real problem with them bringing back James Earl Jones and then not. Why, why not just fucking bring back the cast? It all can't or don't want to. I don't know. I mean, man, I know. I, I, I'm... I'm on board with the fact that actors are busy and Matthew Broderick's probably doing something like Broadway or, or something like that. But, like, man, like, for something as iconic as Lion King. You, yeah, you would think, but we'll see. I just, uh, it pisses me off. Doesn't bother me too bad. <laughs> just, ah, oh, man, I don't know. It just, it's it's weird. I can't, I just can't, I'm not going to be able to hear anything other than Matthew Broderick. Maybe. Yeah. I'll think about it like that. Uh, oh, I'm trying. Uh, either way, I'm excited. Like fucking, like, they did it with uh, the Mowgli fucking like Jungle Book. Yeah. Fucking, what's his name? Was the fucking orangutan. Christopher I Walken. I got a fever. Like, yeah, Christopher Walken. That was so I, weird. I, I want to be like. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not as attached so to the Jungle Book as I was. Still. Like, I don't know. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Like, that's cool, man. Like, they also got I'll be happy if they get Jeremy Irons. I hope he's not too busy doing Justice League or the Batman to play Scar. Scar. We'll never plan on challenging you. <laughs> I just love that. that. The original Lion King is just so near and dear. Oh, no shit. It's amazing. But, all right. So, I think it's time to move into the show recaps and reviews because that's all we have for news. Mm-hmm. First things first, The Walking Dead, Season 7, Episode 10. The episode's called New Best Friends. Starting off the episode with another meeting with the kingdom and the saviors, and the saviors, like you know, they have to they meet to give them the food because that's the one community that they agreed to not go to. Negan has never been to the kingdom. I mean, I don't think he really gives a shit as long as they're bringing him shit. I said, I guess and right. for now, like it's only a matter of time before he's like, you know what, fuck this. But he, I think I think he's to the point where he respects his power. Yeah, and, uh, he know he know he could probably win by himself. But he knows he'll lose a lot of fucking people. Yeah, that's so for he's sure. He's probably just being smart about it too. Which nobody said Negan was an idiot. Negan is a smart man. Um, and uh, once again things go awry. Now it's that same guy, uh, Richard, from last time. See, it's not even his fault. I feel so bad for this fucking guy. Yeah. Because that long-haired, fucking greasy fuck, always has to fuck with him. Like from last time, he comes. He like walks up to him. And is like, I want this guy's gun. You shouldn't even have a fucking gun. Like. Yeah, for no and reason. And then, like, he defends himself, and then, like, he, they, he, everybody gets fucking pissed at Richard. Like, fuck you. <laughs> fucking I'll Richard. Be, I'm going to be blasting all of those fucks. Hell yeah. Um, and once again, Ezekiel obeys the saviors. Pretty, You know, he's just bowing down to what they're saying, which is nonsense to me. But Ezekiel just wants peace, I guess. But he'd rather deal with a little humiliation now than 
complete destruction of his community, I suppose, which I can I can understand. Um, Morgan's apprentice showed some aptitude, but uh, I think his name is Ben. Ben, maybe. Yeah, like things went a little crazy. Morgan Morgan stopped him from pistol whipping Richard, and then uh, he like dropped his staff real quick. Like I'm not gonna try to fight. You know, I ain't fighting. Yeah. And then he tried to do something, and then Ben came and fucking tripped him up with his staff real quick, and it, it was pretty cool. Like he did. Oh yeah. Job. So some initiative. And then uh, Morgan asks, he's like, can I have my staff back, please? And he's like, that means something. It means a lot to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, that was from somebody that's not here anymore. And the guy was like, are you fucking here, this guy? Like, <laughs> like. I wish I could remember the name of that guy. That greasy-haired fucker? No, no, no. The guy that gave Morgan the staff. The cheese guy. I don't know. His teacher. Um, And it wasn't the teacher that was the guy from White Collar. It was the guy um, from the... Um, the first season, the fucking, uh, the medicine, the, what's that place? Mm. The, the, the Center for Diseases. Oh, the CDC. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the guy that was him. Anyway. <coughs> um, Morgan's apprentice shows him at two, blah, blah, blah. Back Eastman. Eastman. That's yeah. the guy that, teach, that taught uh, Morgan. Yes. That didn't have it in the comics. No, yeah, I could not remember for the way. It was driving me crazy. Um, Daryl tries convincing Morgan of what they need to do, like pretty much like you know we need to go to war, you know you need to help, like you know they listen to you here, kind of you know what I mean, like you have in, you have influence of some sort. Daryl shows his archery skills to Richard, who is practicing with a bow because he apparently is getting his guns taken away from him, so he's like, you know, I got to practice with this shit now. Right. And uh, Richard decides to take him with him uh, on a mission to kill a passing group of saviors, while while setting up clues that would lead them to a weapons cache and ultimately Carol. I don't know if I wasn't paying attention good enough or what was going on, but I don't understand. He didn't really make it clear, from what I can remember, of why he was sending into this weapons cache. Or I didn't hear it. I don't know. Oh, I was pretty unclear on it also. I just think that he was... Was, he gonna set, was it like a bomb that was there? Like, was he going to blow it up? Was I'm not sure. That was his his little crying shed, right? I don't know. It was like one of the episodes prior to this, like seeing Richard go back to there just to go there and cry about something. Well, Daryl was not... Daryl would have none of that because it would ultimately lead to Carol possibly dying or being taken or whatever. And Daryl's Daryl's experienced it, you know. He, you know he knows what it's like to be taken, and he doesn't want her to be the one taken. Right. So he stops the guy. They get in a little tussle, um, and he stops him just long enough for the fucking envoy to pass by. And Richard's like, or whatever is fucking. Yeah, Richard's like, well, I can just uh, they'll just be back again. You know, like they'll just come back this time. He's like, we gotta start this war. We gotta do something. Like, oh. oh. Maybe he was trying to get into the weapons cache or whatever to give Ezekiel a reason to start a war. Yeah, maybe. If they stole their weapons and shit, he might be like, you know, fuck this. Like, Finally going to do it. Um, I, I, I predict that they're going to kill that kid. Ben? Yeah. Morgan's kid? Yeah. And then, ben, and then Morgan's going to be like fucking pissed. He's going to be pissed So because he's pretty close with Ezekiel too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's gonna spawn Ezekiel to be like, all right, mm-hmm. fine. Um, back at Carol's house, we see Ezekiel and some men doing some cleanup, and uh, they give her some cobbler. Like, what, uh, what's that guy's name? Jerry. Jerry. He, he like pulls like they're like, oh, we weren't we weren't planning on talking to you. He goes, we were just doing some cleanup. He's like, you're the one that came outside. And like Jerry's like pulling a fucking pan of cobbler out. He goes, just in case you did, we made this for you. He's like, you fuck. <laughs> she goes, mm. he's such a happy fella. I love that guy. Um, not long after they leave, Daryl shows up, surprising Carol. You know, she like she was completely shocked. Um, and then cut scene back to Rick and group 
which ended last se- episode uh, with these trash people. Some people are calling them the garbage pail kids or junkyard gang, junkyard gang, what, like whatever the hell they are. But I call them trash people for now. Um, so Rick and the group of trash people are trying to. Con- he's Rick's trying to convince them to help them in the war with Negan because they have numbers. They have some weapons. They don't. They're not all armed with guns, but they had weapons. Yes. Um. And um, we learned that they were waiting for someone to take the stuff off the boat for them. I guess because like, they live right there by that boat. And I guess they've been waiting because they say she has this phrase that she says like three, four times in the episode. She goes, we take, we don't bother. She she talked weird. Yeah, they all talked weird. Like they talk like cavemen. Yeah. Like she talked like she barely understood English, which is like the zombie apocalypse hasn't been around that long. You ain't like forgetting how to speak. Like, yeah, it was pretty weird, I man. Know. I don't these people, we should, we should, these people were not in the comic books either. Yeah, I don't know nothing about them. This is an entirely new, like, if they, if they gain these people and they gain the massive people at the kingdom and the somewhat decent sized hilltop and right. Alexandria plus Oceanside, mm-hmm. there's going to be a fuckload of people. I mean, now that, that, it's still not. Uh, probably a big problem because I think the saviors are way bigger than they were in the comic books. Yeah, I don't know, man. The saviors are pretty fucking big in the comic books, too. Well, wasn't there a point? I don't know if I want to say it. Never mind. We'll talk about that later. It'll be, I don't want, it'll ruin future okay. endeavors. Um, We also learned that Gabriel was taken in the last episode. We, it seemed like Gabriel was leaving on his own accord, but that was not the case. Uh, They were coming to retrieve the shit they got from the boat. Right. Which was theirs, I guess, in their opinion. So, and they also took Gabriel. Um, they seem to be having, they seem to be having a hard time convincing them. Like they're not listening to Rick. Like they don't, they just don't give a shit. They're like, no, we're not gonna help you. Yeah, pretty much. He was just like, uh, no. Like, but then uh, Morgan, no, who I mean, but who comes to the rescue? But fucking Gabriel. He like, apparently he has these words of wisdom that he is just spewing and then they're just eating it up, man. Like, Gabriel, Gabriel's the man in this episode. Yeah. His balls have dropped. So Gabriel starts saying to the group, uh, you know, we can get you whatever you want. You know, that Rick Rick can do anything, he says. He's like, see this man right here? He found me here. You know, from way outside of camp. And, you know, yeah, so like, far away from home. Yeah. He's like, he's like, these people are capable of anything. Um, he's like, so whatever you need, we'll get it for you. You know, just to prove themselves. Like, right. That, that they're not there to fuck around. So basically what happens is they accept, but not before Rick has to prove himself in the quote-unquote up, up, up. And she goes, take him to the up, up, up. And I'm like, what the fuck? These people are fucking weird. <laughs> so what this is is a high pile of trash that towers over a uh, gladiator arena out of garbage Like, is basically what this is. It's a big fucking trash pit. So they push Rick down there, uh, and he has to face off against a superiorly heavily armored. <laughs> superiorly? <laughs> I'm trying to make shit up. So a very heavily armored and scary as fuck walker covered in spikes. This thing was nuts. Yeah, he was cool looking. Um, he had, like, blades sticking out all over his body like you couldn't get close to him. Like, it was cool. Like, it was a pretty effective weapon. Yeah, like, that would be tough, man. If, like, if, you, if you had, like, a herd of walkers like that, you'd be fucked. Hell yeah, you'd be fucked. I'd be <laughs> fucked up. But So this walker's name is Winslow. <laughs> um, so uh, he had his head no. protected by a uh, helmet of melted uh, metal, it looked like. It, 
they so happened to get on there before it got to the brain, I guess. Um, Rick had to think uh, – And it also had spikes sticking out of it. So. Yeah. So Rick has to think of another way to stop it um, instead of puncturing the head. Well, he didn't – he also didn't really have any weapons. And, um, yeah, but it, with a walker, like, you know, you know, he takes that fucking keyboard and smashes it over the head. But without the helmet, it probably would have – it could have almost killed that thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, all you need to do is cause brain trauma, and that's not hard on a walker because they're fucking rotten anyway. Right. But one with the armor on his head, on the other hand. <laughs> I mean, its, it's chin was exposed too. I'm sure if he had something long enough, he could have gotten it up there. But yeah, he didn't, there was nothing around. I guess they probably made be, made certain that there wasn't going to be yeah that good of a weapon down there for them. So let's see here. So in, in the process of, of even so, it's hard, dude. Like he had spikes come out of his chest, like to even be able to get up in his. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't even get that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The angle was fucked. So in the process, uh, Rick punctures his hand. You know, he sticks his hand right on the head of this thing, and it goes. The fucking spike goes right through it. Looks so painful. <laughs> and then he also slashes his inner thigh. But Rick Grimes prevails, comes out on top, and proves their worth. The trash people agree to give them half of the stuff they took from the boat back to them, and promise, and a promise from Rick to get guns. Um, and then they will help with Negan. Of course, the one thing they don't have and they're having a hard time getting is the thing that this group fucking wanted. Of course. Who doesn't want guns? Yeah. basically currency in the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so will Tara reveal Oceanside? I think so. Because like, the way Rick looked at her and she goes, you've been further out than any of us. You might know something. She goes, yeah, maybe. Or something. And I'm like, fuck. They told her not to. Yeah. I don't know how they can confront Oceanside without being killed. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck they're going to do that. I bet you it'll be a whole entire episode devoted to nothing but Tara going there again. going to be like, ladies, ladies, ladies. Dude, they're probably going to go back there, and Heath's probably just going to be like a fucking guru. Why? Because he's missing. Oh, yeah, we haven't seen Heath, have we? No, he's been gone since that episode. I wonder where he went. I don't know. I saw he's probably just going to be in Oceanside. He's like, it's getting pussy daily. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to leave. Why would I want to leave? It's like, this place is great. Yeah. So, back to Daryl and Carol uh, in Carol's little house. Carol asks if Negan came and if anybody was hurt. But Daryl decides to spare her the grief and tells her everything's fine. Dude, I was prepared to weep. Like, I was, like, getting my ears, my eyes were watering up. I was just getting ready for him to tell her and have her just flip shit, dude. Uh, But he didn't. I was like, oh. Yeah. I mean, and I can understand why, but, you know, Carol is battling herself right now. I think her, she's being a little bit of a pussy, but yeah, but she's battling her sanity. I guess she doesn't want to go too far, yeah, uh, and and not ever be able to come back. And then she says that in the episode, like she's like, "I could have killed him if I did. I wouldn't, you know. I, that's I would be a completely different person, right?" But so a little bit of bonding with Shiva and Daryl, um, Morgan and Daryl. Uh, so yeah, so Shiva and Daryl thing. Uh, Shiva's just walking around in her cage. Daryl kind of like pets her, and and Morgan then walks in, and he's like, "Oh." She's nice to you. Ezekiel would like that. Yeah, he's like, Ezekiel will be very impressed. Mm. Uh, Morgan and Daryl <coughs> speak again. Um, Morgan is very apprehensive still about helping start the war. And he said something about he said something to Daryl about... Yeah, he said, it can't be me. Yeah, Daryl said, it can't be me. It's no, got to be you no, to talk Morgan to said that. Morgan said, it can't be me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he also mentions uh, about how Daryl did not tell Carol and Morgan knew about it because Carol's not there. Yeah, she'd be there fucking ready to lead a revolt. Right. And so we end the episode with Daryl leaving and heading towards the hilltop to prepare. She still has to find out sometime, man. Oh, she'll find out. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that, like, just that literally Daryl walks out of the gates of the kingdom and it just ends right there. 
right. as far as we could tell. But yeah, all in all, it was a good episode. I liked it. Yeah. It was, you know, that, that zombie, that walker was cool. You always like seeing unique walkers in the show because, you know, they always throw things in there and it's cool. And it's the only episode that we had of all three of these shows this week that actually pushed the plot forward. Yeah. <laughs> Walking Dead generally does. Right. You know, even when I mean, sometimes there's backstory, but still, generally the plots being pushed. Forward. I mean, the, this episode of Supergirl and the episode of Arrow were straight up the definition of filler. Yeah, you know, this week true. it was fucking. I mean, stupid. still, I mean, still cool though because we got to see some characters. Well, yeah, we get to see a new character. You know, there's some Easter eggs in it. So it was a cool episode to see. Right. But this is uh, Supergirl uh, season two, episode twelve, titled Luthers. So, uh, the plot summary. Uh, the episode begins with a young Lex Luthor playing chess with his mother. A very young Lena Luthor enters with Lionel Luthor and is introduced to Lex. She sits down to play chess with him, and the episode is, uh, and the rest of the episode is centered around Lillian Luthor and her trial later. So, this is obviously the first part's back in the past. Um, Metallo is given kryptonite before um, he's out on the bench as a witness in Lillian's case. Uh, after the escape from court, Lena is sus- suspected, but Kara believes in her. Um, even after we see video footage of Lena getting kryptonite, everyone believes her guilty except Kara. Patello breaks Lena out of jail after having to fight off guardian who believed they were working together. They get away with, uh, they get away. They get away <laughs> period. Lillian spews some crap about wanting to be a better mother, etc., etc. They end up in a mountain facility owned by Lex. We realize Lillian's true motive when she sees Lena's when she needs Lena's DNA to open the vault. Yeah, like that. we haven't been saying much because nothing really happened in this episode. Like, and we saw when Supergirl was pissed, she was downstairs punching a couple blocks of cement because nobody believed her about Lena. And, and I mean, nothing. There was there's not much to talk about in this episode. It was very uneventful. Right. Um, but this is where things get interesting. Uh, in the vault, we see Lex's battle suit. That, you know, that big green armor suit that he's always fighting Superman with. It's very popular. You've seen it in Injustice, many of the cartoon movies, many of the I'm pretty sure it's shows. even in the beginning of uh, DC Universe Online. Yeah, he's, he's in it. Like, yeah, cause that's the only way he can fight anything, really. But that suit's dope. And then we see an atomic battle axe, she calls it. And I believe it's from Atomic Sumpin. There's a guy. Um... Black Mercy, which is that plant that made them hallucinate. Yep. I think we saw an episode that was happening to Supergirl, right? Yeah. And then I've also seen an animated movie about it happening to Superman. And that was crazy. And a mystery item in a box that Lillian was very excited about. She's like, oh, Lex, you finished it, or whatever she said. And she goes, I was, and then, but we didn't see it yet. And I'm like, fuck. Um, Supergirl shows up after being warned of Metallo's synthetic kryptonite because he was looking for. They were looking for uh, signatures, and they found out that the, the kryptonite was unstable. 
And Martian Manhunter's like, well, kryptonite's supposed to be the most stable element there is. Like, he's like, but no, this must be synthetic, which is, I called that shit too. I was like, it's probably synthetic, because he was acting kind of weird. Um, and it's about to explode, and he said it'd be like a nuclear type of explosion. So they're like, shit. Uh, Lillian uses a sonic grenade to overwhelm her senses, and uh, she ends up blowing it up, and her and Metallo fight while Lillian and Cyborg Superman escape, which is the real Hank Henshaw. Um, Cutting it really closely, Martian Manhunter shows up, knocking back Metallo, and they escape with Lena right after Metallo explodes. Kara was right, and everyone else was wrong. Uh, Back at the house, now, uh, she was back at her house, she's with... Monel and she's like about. I think she's about to tell him like, oh, I, I, you know, I actually do like you. And she was upset that she was he was dating that other girl. And uh, this weird spirit thing fly. It looks like a. It looked like a Patronus to me. Like it was just yeah, like a clear silver thing flying around. At first, I thought it was a breach. I was like, oh shit, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know either. I was like, at first, because it looked like a breach for afterwards. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is a weird way to do that. But then, the guy pops up and it ends. He's like, I love you, Kara. And then it ends up being a fi- the fifth dimensional imp known as Mr. Mixes Mixies Pitalik. Mixies Pitalik? Is that yeah, how you say that's it? that's how you say it. Oh. He's a guy in Mixies Mr. Mixies Pitalik. That's interesting. It, it is interesting. Uh, I was going to say, if you want to look up uh, the trailer for next week's episode. Why? It's interesting. Right now? Well, at some point. Yeah. All right. Well, we have... A little bit. Uh, go, I think Golden Age is the original. Golden Age, Silver Age, yeah. Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age. Um, Mr. Mixes Pitalik. Mixes Pitalik. Says he's a fictional impish character who appears in DC Comics Superman comic books, sometimes as a supervillain and other times as an antihero. Uh, Mr. Mixes Pitalik <laughs> was created to appear in Superman 30 in the story of mysterious Mixer Mixes Pitalik. <laughs> say that a hundred times fast. <laughs> Jerry Siegel, blah, blah, blah. He's usually presents, presented as a trickster in the classical mythological sense in that he possesses reality-warping powers well, with which he enjoys tormenting Superman in cartoonish ways. In most of his appearances in DC Comics, he can be stopped only by tricking him into saying or spelling his own name backwards. Kletipizixism. No, Keltipzixum. That's weird. How would you get tricked to saying your own name backwards? <laughs> I would always know that. Like... <laughs> You always know not to say Kel Tib Sixum. How could you just be like, oh, oh accident? <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, he, apparently he's really gullible. He said he is gullible, but still. <laughs> no. Which will return him to his home in the fifth dimension and keep him there for a minimum of 90 days. However, the specific limitation of the character has been eliminated since the Crisis on Infinite Earths reboot, upon which the character leaves only when he willingly agrees to do so after meeting some conditions he sets, such as having Superman succeed in getting Mixes Pitalik to faint his own blue face blue to paint his own face blue wow <laughs> so i guess in 2009 he was uh ranked as ign's 76th greatest comic book villain of all time interesting it's really weird man yeah i read somewhere that he they say that this superman's greatest villain like strongest villain it's but pretty fucking strange dude. He's, it's, it's easy to get him to say his name backwards apparently so he has a an unlimited ability to warp reality within the third dimension any way he can imagine. His powers have been described alternatively as the product of fifth dimensional magic or advanced technology from the fifth dimension, which appears to be magical to the third dimensional beings. Attendant uh, with his abilities, the fact that Miss Mixie's Pitalik himself 
is not limited by physical laws. He needs no sustenance, such as air or water, can exist in any environment, whether the bottom of the sea or in outer space, and is not vulnerable to any kind of, of real physical harm. His only apparent vulnerability is that whenever he speaks his name backwards, he is shunned back to the fifth dimension. So, And all the effects of his magic vanish as well, making everything as it was before he appeared. This is a temporary deterrent after 90 days he can again visit the third dimension at will his reality warping powers exist in the fifth dimension but he exerts less control compared to the third dimension due to the uh, presence of other imps with the same powers it's really really strange yes it's strange um you know who i want to see in a movie or live action would be fucking uh specter yeah yeah, is awesome. That would he's be crazy. Powerful. Like he's even more powerful than Superman, I think. Like, oh yeah, he's a bad fucking ass dude. But, uh, but yeah, that's a little bit on Mixes Pedalik. <laughs> Howie Mandel played this fucker. Really? Howie Mandel portrayed Mixes Pedalik in the 1990s live-action series Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. An episode was the night before Mixiesmas. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Mandel pronounced the name Mix Yez Pitlick. Mix Yez Pitlick. Mix Yez Pitlick. There's not one vowel in that whole name except for the Y. In Smallville, a character named Mikhail Mix Yez Pitlick pronounced Mix Il Pitlick. Appeared in season four. Jinx. I'm going to see what it looks like. Interesting. How do you spell Mix Yez Pitlick? M X Y Z. Oh, it's right there. I know that Gilbert Gottfried also portrayed him in a, I think that one right there, how to pronounce. This is not Smallville. That's Smallville. That's Nix's Piddlick. Okay. That's, That's an old episode, man. I don't remember it. But all right, so, yeah, we're going to see apparently one of the strongest villains ever for Superman ever to face on Supergirl. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. I'm excited, though. I believe the next episode is called Mr. and Mrs. Mixie's Bidelic. So, I don't know. All right. uh, We're going to get into Arrow, um, another episode that wasn't all that enlightening. It was just another filler. Like It it was interesting, but... I was irritated by this episode, honestly. I don't give a shit about gun control, all that bullshit. So, I think it's all nonsense. Arrow, season 5, episode 13, Spectre of the Gun. At City Hall, a shooter comes in and shoots up the place seemingly with no target. We come to learn that this is all due to some gun control bullshit that a man lost his family to a shooting in the mall. Which ultimately ended up being that the guys bought those guns illegally anyway and the gun control would not have fucking mattered. (laughs) This episode we learn a bit about Wild Dog's background, learning about his wife was killed by her drug dealer and his daughter was taken away due to unsafe environment. That's the same night that uh, on the news everybody's seen Oliver killed Damien Dark. And which probably led to his vigilante spree that he went on afterwards. Because, you know, what the fuck else are you going to do? Right. So, uh, Wild Dog is pro-gun, while Curtis is anti-gun. Uh, we also see vigilante in this episode, killing a potential suspect who Green Arrow had tied up. 
while trying to come up with a gun control law. A Oliver is called away because uh, they learn of an attack on the hospital. Oliver stops it, not as a Green Arrow, but as the mayor. The shooter is taken away, and the gun and a new gun law is passed um, that benefits everyone. So throughout this uh, yeah, facility, Felicity is still using the USB from Helix and seems to be narrowing down on Prometheus's mother. Which will ultimately, hopefully, get us Prometheus's name. Right. So as far as this entire episode goes, that thing about Prometheus's mother is the only thing that pro- that progressed the plot. Yeah, and it was like a brief second. Every flashback in this episode was all Renee. Uh, this episode was the worst episode of Arrow, I think, that I have ever seen. <laughs> Not not a single badass thing happened in this episode at all. Yeah, not really. Not really at all. It's weird. But that... Mm. I don't know. I have nothing else to say about it. I, I completely agree with you. It was just like... Constant BS. Yeah, it was just stupid. It was just, they're bringing in real-life political bullshit into this. Like, Next episode's going to be something about Spectre of the Abortion. <laughs> like, they're not going to be... It's going to be stupid nonsense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But... I still have no idea what it's going to be like next week as far as our itinerary goes, but I know that uh, the next episode of The Flash is Attack on Gorilla City Part 1. Yeah, buddy. Oh, it's going to be a parter. Yeah, dude. And the trailer is dope as shit. You need to watch it. I will. Oh, my God. And as far as Legends goes, the episode is called Camelot 3000. Oh, we're going to see little King Arthur and Merlin. (laughs) Yeah. So I know nothing else about what happens in that episode either. So it should All be right. interesting. Well, All right. Well, that's... And uh, if it's only two episodes, then we'll do Dutch's Lee Dark, possibly. Yeah. Um, and obviously Walking Dead. I don't know what the name of the next episode is, but Mm-mm. things are heating up over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait, man. All out war, baby. Yeah. Not too bad. But I guess that's it. I don't have anything else for the week. Not that I can think of. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. We at Nerdtalkalypse Podcast assume no claim in sounds, references, music, and graphics and are not affiliated or endorsed by any companies involved, such as Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel, DC Comics, Warner Brothers, Sony, ComicBook.com, or any of their affiliates. Nerdtalkalypse is a non-profit generating podcast made for entertainment purposes. We can be found on social media at Facebook.com slash Nerdtalkalypse and on Twitter at Nerdtalkalypse. You can also email us, Nerdtalkalypse at gmail.com. We really appreciate you listening. Please subscribe to us at any of the following servers, iTunes, Stitcher, Satchel, Player FM, and TuneIn Radio. Or also on Facebook every Monday for a live viewing of the show. Please, if you enjoy the show, let us know via email or review on iTunes. If you'd like to be a guest, either in person or via Skype, please send us an email. If there's any subject matter you wish us to discuss, please let us know. We will do all the necessary research to bring you that specific content, either in our next episode or a special of your very own. Thank you again for listening to Nerd Talk Lips Podcast.